I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. All right, I really want to welcome Brian Smith. Brian is the founder of IA Business Advisors. It's an international business advisory firm with over 1,400 clients globally. He is also the founder and uh, current equity holder in over 40 companies worldwide. Oh, my goodness. It represents an annualized revenue in excess of $400 million and employs over 1,000 people. Uh, he's a published author Scott, um, he's, and loves speaking and phil- philanthropic work. Brian is the international best-selling author of the I in the te- I in Team series that includes individual influence and positive influence. Uh, Brian speaks internationally primarily on the topic of individual influence and the importance of understanding each person's influence as their biggest responsibility. Brian is also focused on his philanthropic work through his writing, speaking, and advising. Brian has provided millions of dollars to uh, not-for-profit organizations around the world. Brian is married to Renee, his life partner since 1990. They have three children, Kristen, Mary, and Henry, and one granddaughter, Kenzie. They live in Algonquin, Illinois, and are lovers of art, cooking, travel, and family. Brian, welcome to Leaders and Legacies. Thank you, Craig. I'm really glad to be here. Good. Well, um, so uh, just a side note, I saw Algonquin. It reminded me, I grew up playing lacrosse. I grew up in Maryland. Whenever I see Algonquin, I always think of lacrosse because that's that's the origin of uh, you know lacrosse in, in our world is we saw the Algonquin Indians playing it. So it's, uh, but anyway, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your company. Well, um, we started IA back in 96. Um, actually, uh, while I was working for a public company, it was, uh, I started it quite literally as a way to get a tax write-off on research work I was doing um, about some of the challenges we were having with people while we were integrating technology into companies. And if a lot of people can remember, and a lot of people can't because they weren't around, but in the 90s, it was when technology really started to land on our desktops. It hadn't yet made it to our back pocket, but it was starting to land on our desktops. Small businesses started running their companies with PCs, and small accounting systems. And I was fascinated with the challenges that humans were having with this new technology. This was pre-Facebook and, you know, pre all the social stuff. Back then we had AOL and maybe MySpace and some of these lighter versions of where we were today, but we were seeing 
huge disruption on the human side, and I was fascinated by it. And that's how we started. Yeah, those were the days that when you bought a copy of Microsoft Word, it came with a three-inch thick instruction book. Yeah, in, in, in a spiral binder. Not even It wasn't even bound professionally still. Back then, it was still in like those spiral bound books you could buy and things like that. And they came on floppy disks. Some of them, even the bigger or the small floppy disks. So yeah, it was it was a whole different time back then. And, and so, and so you were talking about the challenges of people adopting the technology. What was it you saw, and what was it you were trying to solve? Yeah. So the number one thing we saw was in disruption was the anticipation for data. In fact, it led to my dissertation uh, for my doctorate work, which was technology induced attention deficit disorder. And that's really what we were seeing. We were seeing human expectation elevated. Every time we had an increase in technology, I don't care if it was how we connected to the internet. If you remember back when it was 9,600 baud and then 14.4 and then 28.8, we kept having these huge leaps and bounds in technology and speed. And each time we had that, human expectation went up with it and humans became impatient. Uh, uh, the expectation for things to get done faster kept rising. And we started to see human conflict develop because of technology. And I was fascinated with how we can marry up and balance people, process and technology in these environments and overcome the disruptions and really get the efficiencies and the advantages that were meant by technology. And, and that's what we were seeing. Interesting. Yeah. So, so people were getting distracted then. And that was what, 17 years before the iPhone was created. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. So, you know, it raises kind of an interesting question. You know, we're going through a big disruption right now with AI and, um, it makes bold promises. Uh, it scares people. It's, you know, there's there's a lot going on. You know, so you've been through this before, and you probably remember the bold claims. You remember, you remember when they were trying to sell PCs so you could put your recipes on the computer. I could never figure that out. I was like, I'm going to put a computer in my kitchen so I can cook dinner. You know, so there, that was an example of a bold promise that the PCs made that never delivered on. Well, now we're, we have AI coming and it's making bold promises. It's scaring people. What's your take on this? Yeah, I think, you know, as we mature as humans and as technology accelerates and, and if you slow down, um, and which is a lesson we like to teach and actually look at the history of advancement. We're actually, you know, clipping right along and we see these periods where we get this rapid leapfrog. Um, we did it back in the early 2000s. We did it again in the, the late 2000, you know, seven, eight, nine with social. And now we're here with AI. I think that there's always a lot of hype. The hype gets elevated because we can deliver more hype now than we ever could back then, which leads to the anxiety. It leads to the angst. It also leads to the anticipation and it leads to the opportunity. And I think if we slow down and think about these 
technology opportunities and think about how we can apply them for ourselves in our world, in our area of influence, and how we can use them to make uh, whatever area of influence we're in better for us, that we can have less anxiety, less angst, and we can and and slow down and have a better preparatory and a better way of of accepting and integrating these new technologies instead of just listening to all the noise that's out there and letting us overwhelm us. Yeah. Now, you know, people like kind of simple do this, don't do that lists. If if you were to kind of list out two or three, you should do this with AI and two or three, you should not do this with AI. What would that be? Yeah, well, first, one of the things that I found myself using AI for is, is helping me uh, flush out ideas. So I like to write. So I write raw every day, and I can take that writing now and go to like chat GPT and put my writing into it and say to it, is there a better way to say this? And it'll give me a, a, an iteration that cleans it up a bit. I then have a choice to look at that and use it or throw it out or use it to find a, a place in between. So one of the ways to use AI is just help you be more thoughtful about whatever thoughts you have, whatever ideas you have. Use AI to help put it in front of you and, and, and deliver it back to you so you can read it. And that's a twofold thing for us because our biggest chapter in our first book is literally called Slow Down. If we use AI to help us to slow down and think about things that we're doing, we might actually be more thoughtful about those things. And AI might help us to organize our thoughts, organize maybe task lists, ideas, uh, tactical things, and then review them in a way that might make our decisions a little bit more sound, might make our decisions a little bit more thoughtful, and might actually create more opportunities for us. On the backside of that, don't ever expect IA to do your thinking for you. Use AI like you would an advisor or a friend or uh, a colleague. Use it to bounce ideas off of, to slow yourself down and get feedback. Don't ever rely on it to make decisions for you, to tell you what to do or to how to do things. Just use it as a tool, which is really what it was designed for. Did you hear about the uh, the lawyer that recently filed a case and he uh, he cited case law in support of his case that he turns out got from ChatGPT and that case law doesn't exist. ChatGPT just completely made it up. Yeah, so there are, and there's a lot of, you know, if you read the warnings, which I don't know how many of us actually, you know, there's always the fine print that's one to many, many pages long. And I'm not sure unless you're a lawyer who actually reads that stuff. But it was pointed out to us that there's an awful lot of fine print in using AI. And look, common sense use AI as a tool. It was never intended to replace us. Yes, there's a lot of noise about how it's going to replace humans, but that's not why it was created. It was created to be a support for us as humans, to give us a path to 
better clarity and maybe more opportunity, but it was never really designed to replace human thought, human action, human tactic, human emotions, or any of those things. And you will have people who try to do that, but that's not really what it's there for. And if we expect it to be there, you're going to get results like that. Yeah. So, okay. So when your business started that back in the nineties, that was when the new technology was coming in. You're helping people through that. How do you help people today? Yeah, I think the number one thing we do is help people understand their current area of influence. And what I mean by that is, is business plumbers, I'm going to use plumbers because uh, plumbers have an amazing skill. I mean, people don't understand just how complex that skill set is and uh, what it means to do that work. But Plumbers are good at plumbing. And when we have a plumbing company come to us that has a sales problem or a leadership problem or an accounting problem, we provide the gap. We fill in the gaps for them. We help them to be able to do what they're good at. And we do that in a way that elevates their skill and supports that skill and supports however large their company is from one to many plumbers one to many support people, one to many uh, salespeople, and one to many customers. We help support them in their business of being a plumber or a doctor or a lawyer or a manufacturing company. And we pride ourselves on our ability to pivot from any of those complex areas that they're not good at. We built a team around us that can fill in those spaces for our clients. Interesting. So, and so plumbers, obviously you work with plumbers. What what are some examples of other companies that you work with? Oh, uh, we're really heavy in the trades. So construction and all manner of construction, not just plumbing, but electric, flooring, uh, general construction, excavating. Um, we're also in manufacturing, all different types of manufacturing, metal manufacturing, plastics manufacturing. We have pharmaceutical clients. We're in financial services. Um, we're in insurance. We're in professional services. We have lawyers, accountants, other consulting firms uh, that we help. Um, we have family businesses of all manner, uh, from music companies to uh, I mean, you name it. I mean, retail to wholesale, everything in between. And and it's, for me, it's just fascinating because I get to pivot. Uh, If you were to ever look at my my daily list of clients that I get to look at and discuss, or my weekly list, I should say, it could be anywhere from one to 30 or 40 different clients in a week that I get to deal with. And none of them have anything to do with the other generally. And they're all over the place. Interesting. And so 2023 is an interesting year. I think a lot of people are finding it a challenging year. What what are some of the things that you're seeing from your perspective across these companies? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is fear right now is there's so much uncertainty about our economy and the interest rates are finally starting to have an influence on decisions and one of the things that we're dealing with especially in the trades right now is delays in payments we have 
people delaying pulling draws on their credit facilities to pay for things that are being done because those draws have a higher cost right now. So we're, we're seeing this stretch in how people are paying uh, their credit-based payments to different industries, which is going to have a trickle effect because it's going to affect how those companies pay things, um, how their people are paid, how bonuses are paid, how, how a lot of different things uh, are influenced by these pay cycles. We always see this as a trailing end. You can see it, you know, at one end what's happening, but you don't really feel it at the other end for sometimes weeks, months, even a quarter plus in time. So we're in this period of time right now where a lot of this has been happening over the last few months as interest rates have risen. And we're about to, and I think this is what's what's scaring people, we're about to see the end result of that. This speed bump, if you will. And so a lot of our clients are worried. Well, how do I get over that speed bump? How high will that speed bump be? How can I plan for it? How do I keep my team's uh, anxiety levels down? How do I keep us focused and motivated? And that's the, a lot of the questions that we're answering at the moment. Do you, What would be your general recommendation, you know, uh, for folks facing that today? Yeah. Um, well, uh, one is, is if you've been frivolous in your spending, which a lot of us have been over the last few years, because cash was cheap, cash was easy. So there was a lot of spending going on. It, it supported and boosted an economy that should have faltered sooner, uh, considering what we went through. Um, I think that tightening your belt a little bit, being more thoughtful about your spending, being honest with your team, about some of the restrictions that need to be put in place, but also, and I believe this, and I think a lot of uh, the money people and the professional finance people think this, I think this is going to be kind of short-lived. Um, I do not believe that this is going to be a long-term correction or recession or whatever you want to call it. I think it's going to be a, a fairly large speed bump, but one that we can all get through if we just stay the course do what you're good at, take care of the issues that are in front of you, try to be more in the present, don't try to worry about too much that's too far out in front of you, stay in the present, focus on the issues that are happening, and try to make as much lemonade out of the little lemons that we're getting along the way that you can. And contextually, it's hard to answer that because each person's issues are so different. Yeah, so short-lived, I mean, that when I hear that, that gives me hope. What? Uh, why do you think this is going to be a short-lived correction or whatever term we want to use? Well, to be quite blunt, um, I just don't think our government can allow for interest rates to stay too high because their debt structure is so high. And if the base interest rates are high, it affects them also. And I think that our government and the people that control these interest rates are going to have to get a better control on these interest rates before it negatively affects themselves. And since they control that, I believe that they're going to have to, to, to swing back the other way and try to find some happy medium, which right now I think is too high. I think where we were was too low, but it's going to be somewhere in the middle. And I think that that will be enough 
to push people to go back to moving forward and being more optimistic. Wow. Well, that's good. I, 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 I hope so. I hope so. Uh, it's hard to see the, uh, the fear coursing through folks right now. So obviously this is leaders and legacies podcast. Let me ask you. Um, so you, you've been running a business for a while. What does leadership mean to you and how do you see yourself impacting the lives of others? Yeah, so for me, leadership is giving the people that I am responsible for with my influence everything that they need to succeed in the area of influence that we have provided together. Contextually, for me, as as, uh, the leader of our advisory firm, it's making sure that we have the tools and the education and the knowledge to be the best advisors we can and giving our advisors the breadth and depth that they need to be successful in their area of influence, whatever type of advising that they do individually. If you're a plumber, that means giving your plumbers the tools that they need to do their job. That means feeding them the work that they need and giving them the support they need, trusting them to do their job. And if they don't, giving them guidance, not discipline, um, not overpowering them, not micromanaging them, but leading them and supporting them in their areas of influence, not not dictating them and uh, you know being the boss, if you will, but being their peer, being their leader, being their supporter, and helping them be successful in whatever area of influence we've placed them. Wow, that's great. Um, what's a time where you feel like your leadership's been put to the test? Wow. Well, you know, I think the times where our leadership for all of us is put to the test is when we have challenges with either our mission, which is to serve our clients, um, or our mission, which is to serve our teams, and that our teams are failing, and we get put to the test to resolve those. Um, There's been a number of times where we have human conflict, people don't get along, and we have disparagement between groups of humans or single humans. And it's on us to figure out what the root cause of those is. Is it culture in our organization? Is it individual to the people? And then walking them through that and having them come out the other side facing the same direction while they're still on the same team, even if they don't agree, is probably one of the biggest challenges you have. And as our organization has grown, from myself to now across all our companies, over a thousand people, those conflicts happen more often than I would like them to. But I'm, I'm, for me, it's the biggest challenge because humans are so complex and human conflict is so complex. And each time we face it, it's a challenge. Yeah. Can, can you think of one example, just a white knuckle moment where you are facing something, you're like, I don't know how this is going to end. <clears throat> Here's what I'm going to do. Um, yeah. Uh, we had a team member who uh, failed to perform. Uh, he failed to deliver a uh, product to an investor, and it cost our client a quarter million dollars, oh. which potentially cost 
us a quarter million dollars. And I had to deal with, for one, I had to deal with the employee in his error. And then I had to deal with the client in his reaction to that error. And they're two different things and you can't deal with them the same way. So dealing with the uh, employee, I had to understand first what the root cause uh, of the issue was, determine if it was flagrant, you know, was it something that we contributed to that was on him? And I had to slow down and challenge myself to really understand what the problem was. And the problem was I over-delegated uh, and I wasn't smart. I wasn't specific about or measurable about what his tasks were. So I contributed to the problem. So I had to take the course that I had to have some course and some behavior changes for me as a leader at this time and for him in asking the right questions. And then for the client, I had to own up to what the problem is that we created and come up with a resolution that met or exceeded his expectation in back to a smart way, very specific and measurable. And I had to sell that on the client. In, in this particular case, we ended up retaining the client and we actually own that company now. And we, that employee is still with us. And this happened over 10 years ago. We still lost the quarter million dollars for that investor, but we ended up with a resolution for both. We have a flourishing team member and we have a very good client still to this day. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And you, you know, I think, I think for a number of people, there's a fear of, you know, and leaders of admitting mistakes. Um, and that doesn't sound like the path you chose. What would you tell somebody if they're wrestling with that fear? If I, you know, the fear would be if, if my employees knew that I made this mistake, they wouldn't respect me or look up to me. Or if the client knew I made this mistake, what advice would you give to somebody who's wrestling with that? Yeah, I don't think I've ever met a true good leader that wasn't vulnerable in that way. And it truly is putting yourself and making yourself vulnerable. It's it's telling your team that you're human. And what happens when you do that is the level of respect and the level of credibility that you have with them goes up because they will still look to you as a leader, but they'll look to you as a leader who is more on their level. And when we feel when we feel like we're on the same level with people, we will give more to that. And, and for us, that means they're giving us equity. They're putting equity into not only the relationship between us as leader and subordinate, but they're putting equity now into our company. They're putting equity into our mission. And they're doing that because of that vulnerability. And when we have leaders who are vulnerable and are willing to share their lessons, because that's really what they are is lessons, and use them as an advantage, not just for self, but for the entire organization, everybody's elevated. And the influence that has not is not just tactical, but it's cultural too. And you see behavior changes, you see trust changes, you see credibility changes, and you see service delivery and customer service changes all at the same time. These are all byproducts of that vulnerability that vulnerable leadership style and that servant leadership style that we like to teach. That that's an amazing advice, Brian. And I, you know, I've got another 10 questions rattling in my head, but unfortunately we're out of time. 
Uh, this has been a, a an amazing conversation, a delightful conversation. How will people reach you? Yeah, you know, so you work primarily with trades, and you mentioned financial services. Um, you know, who, where, how can people reach you? Now, the best way for people to find us is on the internet, going to iabusinessadvisors.com. Um, there's information there about our consulting, our publication, um, uh, our blogs, our newsletter, everything about us is there. You can also find us on social at IA Business Advisors on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, if you want to follow our book series, it's the I and Team series. Same places. If you just the I and Team series, all one word, uh, you can follow us there, and you can buy our books at Amazon. Um, individual influence, find the I and Team, and positive influence, be the I and Team, are both on Amazon. Well, excellent. Brian, thank you for being here today and thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you. Hope you have a great day. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss anything please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.